kids, David James Young here, back for another week of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. I do hope that life is treating you well. I had an incredible five days uh, hanging out on tour with The Heartaches and Hannah Band. So I would like to sincerely thank those guys and Mark Gibbons and uh, all the bands that I saw and hung out with and uh, everyone that put me up. Uh, over the last few days, uh, really, really appreciated. Uh, what more can I say? It was a wonderful, wonderful time. Some of the best, some of the best few days of my life, honestly, I was hanging out on that tour. So I'm really, really glad I got to do that. But uh, back to the grind, back to reality. But thankfully, reality for me means more rock and roll shows, including this Friday. Uh, Motion City Soundtrack are going to be playing at the Manning Bar. They are going to be playing their incredible album, Commit This to Memory, in full to celebrate its 10-year anniversary. And our very good friends in Oslo are opening the show. I can't wait. It has been a long time between drinks for Oslo, and I'm really looking forward to having those guys back in action. Saturday, August 29th, however, is where things start to get a little tricky. Uh... Well, I say tricky, but I say that you are quite literally spoiled for choice when it comes to shows happening in Sydney on that night. There is no wrong horse to back. So let's break it down. Over at the factory floor, Ivan Drago out of Sydney are going to be launching their long-awaited debut album. The band is fronted by Mr. Brendan Kennedy, who is one half of the podcast Less Talk More Rock, uh, who uh, were kind enough to give me a shout-out a couple of weeks back on their Blood, Sweat and Beers special edition. So I just wanted to uh, quickly give a shout-out to those guys, thank them for the support, and uh, in turn, plug uh, Brendan's show. So uh, yeah, it's Ivan Drago, uh, featuring a couple of friends of the show. The Bottlers are playing, who... uh, have among their ranks SM, also the Playbook, Wasters, and Dividers will be playing. So it's a pretty decent value night, actually. Uh, Up the road in Newtown at the Social Club are Grenadiers out of Adelaide, who have put out one of the best rock albums of the year, in my humble opinion. Uh, They are playing with Bare Bones, uh, featuring a former guest of the show, Mr. Tom Kennedy. That will be a ripper of a show. Bare Bones have just put out a new single, so hit them up on Facebook to check that shit out. We've gone from one end, and then in the middle is the Factory Theatre, and then at the other end is the Red Rattler in Marrickville, where you can find self-defense family out of the States. They are touring Australia for the first time, and they are playing a show with friends of the show, Corpus, Ted Danson with Wolves, and The Nuclear Family. An excellent lineup for something ridiculous like 15 bucks. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal show. Uh, but I will be over at Max Watts in the city, uh, formerly known as The Forum, uh, also formerly known as The Hi-Fi. There I will be seeing my friends in Gay Paris, who have just announced a massive tour and the launch of their third studio album, Ladies and Gentlemen, May We Present to You the Dark Arts. That is the full title, Respect That Shit. So they will be opening for a little band called the Dillinger Escape Plan. Holy shit. 
that is going to be a fucking wild show, and I'm so, so keen for it. But like I said, August 29th, you pretty much can't go wrong. Buy some tickets, you idiots. Today on the podcast is Seahorse Divorce, the wonderful, noodly, weird and wonderful math rock band from Brisbane. Uh, we spoke to not one, not two, but three members of the band. We spoke to their wonderful vocalist, Josh, their adorable drummer, Paz, and their sweethearted, kind and uh, kind of shy, but uh, ultimately very, very wonderful bass player, Ben. Uh, they have all had their hands in a myriad of different genres over the years, from cheesy uh, pub rock to uh, weird grindcore and shit like that. Uh, but ultimately, they come together to create something really interesting, really fresh, and uh, honestly, really beautiful. I always love hanging out with the Seahorse Divorce guys whenever they are in Sydney, and that is where this took place. Uh, you may remember the so-called Emo Weekender of the first week of July, where we finally saw American football, we finally saw Waxahachi, we finally saw Owen. It was a really uh, awesome couple of days. Dangers were in town as well. It was a pretty fucking... Crazy few days, if I recall correctly. Uh, but uh, after Seahorse Divorce played at the Red Rattler, we uh, took up in a park and we had ourselves a lovely little chat about life and music, as we tend to do on this podcast. Uh, there's also a couple of... Uh, pre- there's the, I won't give it away, but something pretty special happens at the end of this episode. Just a heads up that next week I am going to be in Melbourne for Poison City Weekender. My fourth weekender in a row and I'm so excited about it. So there will be no new episode next week as I am effectively on holidays. But we will be back on September 10, I believe is the date that we officially come back. And that is going to be an episode with Mr. Jack R. Riley. So, uh, look forward to that in a couple of weeks. But uh, until then, let's have a chat with Seahorse Divorce. Bon voyage! Hi everyone, I'm David James Young and all my friends are in bar bands. Today I would like to introduce you to my friends, Seahorse Divorce. Hello. Hello. Introduce yourselves, gentlemen. I'm Josh. I'm Paz. And I'm Ben. We are sitting here in a nice little park here in Marrickville. The gentlemen of Seahorse Divorce have just played a cruisy little Sunday Arvo show at the Red Rattler. How have you enjoyed your weekend in Sydney, boys? been really nice we love playing in sydney oh, we love having you here yeah and that's that's the thing it's clear that that is the case and we love it back. <laughs> yeah. i think black was our favorite or my favorite show definitely play in anywhere in Australia. i think yeah. it's yeah sydney just not necessarily the bands but in terms of inclusive spaces that are really nice to play in uh that is not the case in brisbane at the yeah moment. right like we, we don't really have a venue where we feel really nice playing with the group of people that we really enjoy playing to so it's I think with this weekend the aim was to make it more accessible than all of us flying down and making a big thing of it we just if we can make it more casual that way we get to come here more often yeah which is nice keep it simple keep it simple keep it sweet you gotta love it 
So it was one of the... It, you've done a few Sydney Weekenders, and uh, it was uh, one of the first uh, that you guys did a couple of years ago that we all met for the first time. Yeah. Uh, you guys were up for a weekend of shows with uh, Stockades. Yeah, yeah, two two Stockades. yeah so there was a... A show with a bunch of bands, uh, Stereotomic, mm, at Blackwire, right. yeah. yep. and uh, then there was a show the day after with Pinchitter and Mowgli, I yeah, believe, at, at, yeah, uh, at uh, yeah. what was then known as Yours and Owls, now Radbar and Wollongong. Tell us a little bit about uh, your uh, friendship with the guys from Stockheads. Well, it was essentially our first tour, um, our right? First, yeah, yeah. First two weeks away, and we didn't know the guys at all; had no idea who they were. And well, Toby and Ben did. Toby and Ben did, but as far as me, Cox and Mick, uh, we didn't know from a bar of soap, but after the 10 days, we were pretty much like yeah. brothers, like blood brothers. <laughs> so I guess, I guess I met Stockades when they came up and recorded at Sun Distortion with Nuclear Summer when they were doing it. Yeah, split. yeah, yeah. And I met them that weekend, and then they went on a tour with El Alamein, the now defunct band. Yes. Oh, with Uda's in that band? Uda's band, yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Uda's band, um, and so I sort of became friends with them and then I was talking to Alan one time when I was down in Melbourne and told yeah. him about this new band that I was right. doing and he got really excited and I'm pretty sure he was listening to us jam when I we were jamming was, in yeah. Barton and was yeah, like yeah. we should definitely make a tour happen so pretty much from Al's excitement I'm pretty sure there was a show at Sunday one night and he was on like multiple pingers and it was like this, <laughs> shout out we to need, Alan yeah shout good out to Alan. Alan he just got super excited about it and from there, I think Uda was helping us book shows, and yeah, we sort yeah. of Uda did a semi, bunch of work for did us. Everything, yeah, yeah. managerial position for us and Stockades because he was doing Monolith. So he he pretty oh, much sure. pulled the whole show, he pulled the whole tour together, which was amazing. Yeah, he did a lot so of work for us. Fun. That's fantastic. Mm. That was a really fun couple of shows. I yeah. remember that very vividly. Definitely. <laughs> and it was just, yeah. I particularly remember the uh, the hat that you were wearing. For oh, the, of those shows, the Sydney Aquarium propeller hat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Had the propeller favorite, favorite accessory. <laughs> and you made sure that it was spinning every time that you started playing. Yeah, yeah. It was just like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's go, let's go. If there's an aquarium or a dinosaur museum, I will attend. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll see. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at all. And you'll buy the merch. I'll buy the you merch. You will exit yeah. through the gift shop. <laughs> I go to shows and I, I tend to not walk out with band merch but I always walk out with dinosaur merch from museums and <laughs> you just love learning I love educational merch there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that there's nothing wrong with that at all talk us through how you guys got interested in, in music in general we'll start with you Josh uh, what kind of uh, sparked the interest in wanting to play and was it was it a family thing or was it a high school thing like where did it kind of kind of trigger for you well it was just like there from the time I was born I think like, oh really from the time I was really little I was just obsessed with music like um, yeah there's all sorts of stories of me like putting on albums by myself at like two or three years old oh really sitting you know listening to stuff with headphones on and then I'd be in the supermarket with like my mum and there'd be a song playing and I'd go that's Phil Collins isn't it mum and like so yeah it was there all along just always had a really massive connection with it so I started playing guitar at 8 years old and wow yeah one thing's led to another pause mine story isn't that romantic it's, it, was, <laughs> it was as simple in the fact that my sister when I was in like primary school in grade 2 or 3 my sister was playing violin and right. started to get really good at it and I was jealous because she was getting all the attention so I took up violin <laughs> to try and be better I'll show you I tried to be better at her with, at violin I was actually really bad so I thought oh, I'll just I'll, I'll take up uh, percussion because it seemed easy you know in concert sure. band hitting a snare drum and um, because I have slight OCD tendencies I uh, took it too far and obsessed over it and practiced my ring out and fell in love with all things music wow. through high school yeah. Sweet. so it all started from uh, competition 
I with my sister. That. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I, yeah, I, I failed at violin, so I thought drums was a good idea. And look at you now. Look at me Who now. Who needs a violin? Now I go to bed with snares. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what you call them? Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't tell my wife. Oh, my, my wife. <laughs> ben, what about you? I guess my story is different again. I Well, that's good. We, it's good to have different stories. Yeah, m- music was never a, a huge part of my, like, you know, like everyone else's childhood, it was there, but it wasn't so strong. I was much more of like a theatrical kid and oh probably, right you were a drama kid yeah definitely and up until like just after high school I was pretty convinced that I wanted to be acting I never really mm. played much music in high school but then I think fell in love with probably like the countercultural ethics and, and politics of like you know particularly punk and stuff like that and came to came to love it from that element and really just you know playing shows and doing things as, as a way of living your life outside you know breaking norms and whatever you know all of that sort of shit yeah um and i sort of accessed that and then started you know i guess i've got a bit of a ocd streak as well and started (laughs) wanting to get a bit more strange with the music that i listened to sure um, and played and 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 things like that so i I really fell into it that way more as the significance that it held for me rather than music itself right Mm -hmm. okay so, uh, where did the first bands come into play? Uh, were you guys in each other's bands, like, to start off with? Not or the first ones. Well, actually, because Paz and I grew up in Mackay, which is about 10 hours north of Brisbane. Yeah, right, right, right. And uh, we both played in pub rock bands in Mackay, and we were both still in high school. So, yeah. that's how we kind of knew each other. And then... We went to a school function where schools were both playing with James yeah, Morrison. Yeah, they put together an inter-school oh, right. jazz band to support James Morrison in Mackay. How'd that go down? It's actually I, I enjoyed it because you know I, I really liked like, yeah in school I, liked I, jazz I, I had no idea how to play jazz still don't really <laughs> and um so, so anyway you were playing guitar yeah I was playing guitar anyway fast forward a few years and um moved down to Brisbane and um I was in a band called Art Vandalay and um Ben was in a band called Waiting Room a few years younger than me so that was a few yep. years later somehow it's just. You know, Toby was in a couple of different bands, Cape well, Weather. And Mick and I were in Little Shadow together. That's right. Oh, yeah. right, 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 with Cam. Yeah. Yeah. And Paz was in Mackay, but then he moved back down to Brisbane. And Mick and Paz, you know, have been in playing together. For yeah, years we played in Johnny Dysmore with Tom from Willows and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, for ages. And then Tom, Tom moved over to Europe to live, and then me and Mick were sort of just living in Mackay, doing our own duo stuff, just recording things and for fun and, then, oh, and I went to high school with Toby and we've always been like pretty close I guess with what we had been doing so it just made sense for us to be in a band together mm. when the time came that one of several any number of projects died and we were all kind of free yeah sure well we started Mick essentially wanted to start a pop band yeah like, a, a which pop is band, still like failing Luke Star <laughs> Pop which is absolutely nothing like we're doing it but we're still yeah. having fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The regional aspect is an interesting thing. Like, the people that I've spoken to that have grown up, like, outside of cities, you know, they, they, they definitely come from that culture where there's very few people that like the same sort of music they do and they are really appreciative of any kind of music that comes through and stuff like that. Was that much true of you guys growing up in Mackay? Oh, especially yeah, Mackay, yeah. yeah. Like, what we were just saying before we started recording this, like, the first show the first show I saw was Friends of Rum when I was, you know, 14 or something. And that, you know, you know, it's like... Everyone loves friends, but that shit blew our minds because it was like, yeah, you know, yeah. this sick punk band and the time, you know, the best thing that we could find to listen to was, you know, Green Day. And then this <laughs> yeah. band Friends Are On come and it's like, who the hell are these guys? I think are the amazing. first punk show I went to was yeah. Strung Out. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. The, yeah. I don't think it was, it might have even been Strung Out and Frenzel. 
Really? God knows. Well, yeah, that was my first show when I was 14. Yeah, in a nightclub, and like as soon as the band started, you know, the pit just activated, and I thought <laughs> I was oh, going to die. And yeah, you it's know, pretty it's, scary when you're 14. Yeah, it was a, really a, scary. A and then when Frenzel played, uh, security guard was acting up, so they left the stage and said, you know, get this guy to fuck off, or we're not playing. And it was heaps legit. I don't know if it's that different, Every... you know, like if, if it's just that like the sample size is smaller. Like when us being from a regional center doesn't make it more or less powerful. Mm. It's yeah, just definitely. maybe you just don't have as much of that community or no. you know yeah. the resources to get something going. So sure. you just think it's amazing. What about you, Ben? Where did where whereabouts uh, are you growing up? I so I was born in Sydney, but I've been in Brisbane since I was five. Right. Okay. Um, and grew up in a city, Brisbane. Oh, right. So you were right in the thick of it. Yeah, but again, I really relied on sort of accessing music through friends, and really sure, wasn't, yeah, it wasn't yeah, yeah. really something that I decided to seek for myself. I was really just reading books and and loving musicals and, and shit like that. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, but started going to like North Coast hardcore shows with my friend, and you know, just love fell in love with mosh bands as you do unfortunately mm. um, but yeah but that was really where it started was finding a like a, what seemed to me like a, a really underground sort of movement and a bit of a community there and something group. that was outside like the, the mundane sort of day to day experience that it had yeah, yeah. sweet uh, so was moving to Brisbane like the logical thing for you guys like yeah. was it just like that's what you yeah. aspired to, to get out you know to get out yeah, yeah. as far as I was concerned it's yeah. essentially just like if you're playing music in Mackay as soon as you finish school it's just the default next step I guess like mm-hmm. no one ever really who wants to do anything decent with music sort of stays or hangs around you know unless you want to do the, the pub rock thing the yeah. next step is just you know go to Brisbane <laughs> yeah sure uh, alright so we'll talk about the pre-Seahorse fans uh, we'll start with you Josh tell us mm-hmm. a bit about Art Vandalay Art Vandalay came out of the ashes of a pub rock band I was in in Mackay uh, with the very bad name Seven Ages <laughs> and um, so then the singer from that band we decided we didn't want to play music with him anymore so me and the two other guys we were a three piece yep. decided to go down to Brisbane and have a go at it and this was ten years ago in the thick of all you know Alexis on fire and Amity Affliction were just kicking off then and yeah, the whole right, mosh right. thing was just huge like sure. there was no escaping it yep. so our, our music was suitably angsty and I'm pretty embarrassed by it nowadays but <laughs> it was fun and yeah I think there was a decent progression of it though like from that first album yeah but the, the thing is EP. we recorded another EP with a different drummer this was a couple of years later and that yeah. never got officially finished uh, which sucks, but it's still there. It's floating around on the internet somewhere. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, it was basically just a screamo type band, man, with drop D riffs and shit. Brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty funny. What about you, Paz? Uh, well, yeah, I was with. I went to school with Tom. Yeah. And uh, you know, growing up in school, we, we did the stage band, the school jazz band, everything, and yeah, the, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, wanted yeah. to start playing rock and roll. But there's no other guitarists for you <laughs> that were, you know, any good at all. So uh, through a few mutual friends, we entered this talent quest in school which went pretty horribly uh, because none of us knew what we were doing but anyway the guys were playing with uh, brought Mick along from another another school in Mackay yeah. and uh, we essentially just poached Mick and Mick was really quiet as he is now uh, and we got in a band room together and just started trying essentially forcing Mick to write some riffs yeah <laughs> um, right and this is early early days so we just started playing you know at pub covers and stuff and then decided we wanted to you know break out and do originals and stuff so we started this band Johnny Died Small with the three of us did the same thing as Cox and Art Vandalay moved down, played shows, had a whole bunch of fun, released a couple of EPs and stuff. Yeah, and then, and then Tom went away overseas. So, mm-hmm. so then me and Mick uh, went elsewhere for bands. 
Right. I went home and became a slave to the man, started a trade. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, and then here we are now. Oh, shit. Yeah. So So you were out of music for a while. Well, not out of music. No, when I went home to Mackay, I was, I was playing in like, I was playing in big band. I was doing a lot more pub covers and stuff. But yeah, yeah. I did that for probably oh, one or two years. It's all you really, I wanted to go home and finish my trade. And it's all you really can do in Mackay. It was sure, like, what, yeah. you know, I either I want to go home and live with my folks and get a job behind me, but at the same time I need to do something. So I just became a pub cover slot. <laughs> Drank VBs and not played Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. No, hey, not at all. I've made the most money with music doing that. <laughs> You'll never make any more, mate. No, the best <laughs> days are behind you. You're plateaued, mate. That's it. Yeah. I did a whole bunch of teaching too. Like there's a stage when I had like, you know, 20 students and stuff. But even that, oh, wow. even that got a bit nuts because, you know, I spent hours and hours a week you know, teaching paradiddles to kids, which was great to pass it on, but at the same time, I thought, you know, I could spend this time more productively making music for myself and, mm, mm. and, and bettering myself. So I yeah. did that, I quit teaching and moved back to Brisbane. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Ben, tell us a little bit about uh, Waiting Room and uh, Little Shadow. Yeah, right. Okay, so I guess I started Waiting Room because I, I picked up bass, but I'm a huge introvert. So right. I picked up this instrument that's not really like a. It's not a guitar, obviously. But yeah, I've, yeah. I've been playing in my room for years and years and years. Um, Still under, well, playing, playing to myself and, and with myself on bass. And it's probably just making it way more complicated than it needed to be. So by the time... I'd never joined a band before, but I had some friends who wanted to start like a melodic hardcore band. Yeah, right. Um, which I just wanted to play in a band. The music wasn't really my thing. but So we were playing melodic hardcore and I was just doing fucking God knows what. And because I'm also a bit of a control freak sometimes, so I was putting in all of these weird influences into it um, and trying to tell them what to do. And it was clearly not... Like, it was really, really fun and a bit more progressive than just playing, like, root notes, which is not something that I can do very well. Right, yeah. Um, so that went for a couple of years, but then it became pretty clear that what I wanted out of music and what they wanted was something very, very different. And I think we were accessing different levels of what music gave to us. So I stopped that and then started Little Shadow with Cam. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, because and this was after To The North had split up. Yeah, this is after To The North had split up. Well, I don't know. They kind of never did really split up. Hiatus. I guess, yeah, yeah, the hiatus. Quote, unquote, and, yeah. And Cam yeah. was looking for a band and I got in touch. I actually wanted to start a way more sort of post-punky, hardcore sort of band like Daniel Striped Tiger, like way more sure, aggressive. right, yeah. Um, so I got in touch with Jeno, who'd played in a bunch of Brisbane bands, and he was keen. And then we hit up Cam, and then Mick was moving down from Mackay, I think, at the time, so he joined, and it ended up just being much more of a, like, minus the berry, spidery type thing, mm. um, which was heaps of fun, and really, I like, it was an opportunity for me to grow a whole heap as a musician like Jenna was a pretty harsh taskmaster so he really reined me in in my like more flamboyant sort of bass tendencies so that was that was fun that was how I got to know Mick and Toby was playing in Cape Weather alongside of us at the time oh right yeah yeah and then so Cape Weather ended and Little Shadow ended um, and we started Seahorse. Yeah, together. well, I think I was coming, I was still living in Mackay and I came yeah. down for a sound wave one weekend or something. And then, uh, yeah, Mick wanted to have a jam and I just yeah. bought some sticks and we I jammed actually, in the Barton house. I was actually really unwilling to join Seahorse at first. Because, oh, really? I mean, well, because Mick is such an amazing guitarist and I knew Paz was an amazing drummer and I thought Toby was fucking great at guitar too. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I didn't really think that I was up to scratch to play this sort of music that they were gunning for but Mick said he didn't really know any other bassists so I 
kind of said that I'd, I'd, I'd fill in for a little while. But again, I hadn't, hadn't really found... Yeah, that's it. Like, I, I hadn't found my feet musically yet. Wasn't really, sh- like, confident in what I was doing. But I guess I picked it up along the way and it became what it is. Yeah, right. So here we are with Seahorse Force. Uh, yeah. Can you guys remember the first show that you guys played together? Oh, that was a house show. Yeah, that was a house show at my house. Yeah. Oh, really? House. We yeah. had a bunch of people come over. And we actually did a... Uh, Tom was back. We did... It's weird because he did a Johnny reunion show, yeah. and then it was also Seahorses at first show, and so um, it like... it, we were joined by Wallow, which is yeah. um, Lloyd Daniels from Idols, the drummer. Yes, he had uh, what would you call Wallow, uh, Josh? I don't know, Sad Gaze. Yeah, Sad Gaze, pretty sad much. Sad yeah. um, So they, yeah, they played with us, which was really fun. It was fun. That was a good house, actually. That was a really hot day in December. Yeah. yeah, we played our first show and it was. But that was after nice. about probably almost a full year of yeah. writing. Like we'd pretty oh, much. Oh really? We had pretty much written an album before we even played a show. Yeah, yeah. No. And I, I joined in uh, August mm. yeah. 2012, and they'd already been jamming for six months. Six or months something. or something. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, when we got in there, it was pretty easy to just get the ball rolling. Yeah. So it was super exciting for us because we held up for so long. Like you know, usually have four or five songs and it's you know showtime. We sort of held back for ages until we had a whole bunch of material. So when it was time to we play, keep doing that, like, we were so excited. So yeah. <laughs> Paz and I were just talking last yeah. night about how we tend to not play any new material until we've got a whole new set. Which I I like doing it that yeah. way rather than sort of bleeding each new song into the set. You play yeah, it yeah. when you put the release out type thing. Yeah, right. Otherwise, but I find by the time if we, if we play too much new stuff and then put a release out, we go to tour on that release. We're sort of already getting bored with it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's good to release and be excited. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, just was this the first band that you played in where you weren't playing guitar? Yes. Yep. Mm. Was that kind of a challenge for you to kind mm. of step up to the plate like that? Still is. Yeah, yeah still <laughs> is. But when I when they sent me the demos, um, I couldn't pass up the opportunity, you know. And I was playing keyboard at the start as well, but then I realised that my keyboard parts are just generally pretty simplistic and crappy. Don't serve much purpose being there. So yeah, but I still, you know, would much prefer to have a guitar around me, but there's just no space for it, so I've just got to drink lots and deal with it. Oh man, I'm trying to imagine Seahorse as a three-guitar band and I'm losing my mind. Yeah, wall of noise. More noise, more noodles. That's it. (laughs) It would be weird. It would be the weirdest. Yeah. But hey, you know. You still get your guitar fix. You play lots of guitar in other bands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So you're still playing in, in, in other stuff now? Yeah, I have. Well, I've got a couple of cover bands um, to make money. That's yeah, what right. talking about. And I'm also in another band um, called These Guy with a friend from uni, which right. is up and coming. <laughs> up and coming. Up and coming. Up and coming. Co- yeah. Cox and I are Top doing, a, are doing yeah. a New Orleans band, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, shit. Really? New Orleans funk, band. yeah. And we have like guest people some of your trumpets or whoever wants to come and jam with us but it's a lot of you know Dr. John and the meters and yeah, yeah, jam yeah. outs and funkifying people's lives yeah. <laughs> it's heaps fun yeah. and uh, Ben you've been uh, playing with some other bands as well yeah I guess so other than Seahorse um, so Little Shadow it's basically over but it ended on very ambiguous terms sure same um, to the north really yeah yeah exactly <laughs> cam can't finish anything can but <laughs> but out of little shadow so i'm in seahorse with mick and i also started a new band called the larch with nate and jenny the guitarist and drummer mm. and that's that was a very um concerted effort just to make music that had already been made so basically it was like you know we like sonic youth let's make music that sounds like sonic, sonic youth, youth which is sure, good yeah. good for me because 
I'd never really been in the band that was so obvious with its intent before. Like, it's yeah. just really fun and easy and doesn't have the... I'm not going to say pressure, but, like, there's... With Seahorse, there's a real compulsion to be, like, original, you yeah. know? I'm kind yeah. of envious um, of bands like that who just yeah. choose one thing and just go... Yeah, exactly. It's just like, just this is what it. we want to do. We don't really care about being original. We just want to do it. Yeah, sure. it's fun. So we're doing that, yeah. um, which isn't too active, but we've released an EP and we'll end up writing an album. And I've been playing... Have played in Idols yes. as well. So my friendship with those guys has been long-standing. Yeah, um, yeah. They toured Indo a couple of years ago and I went with them. I wasn't in the band, but... It's sort of, I guess, the way that Idols operates. It's very much more like a musical collective. Like it's, it's very much Chris's ideas and, and project, and it sort of seems to have like a rotating roster of members. And I guess I'll be honest, there's probably like a pretty high representation of people with poor mental health in that band. Oh shit! <laughs> so the dynamic is, it, is, it's always a little ambiguous. Again, so I was doing vocals and sax during prayer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's fucking amazing. And then we, we toured that, and at, then afterwards, a whole bunch of stuff happened for me where it, I... Last year was a big... Was, I pretty much burnt out, like, doing three bands and working. Yeah, it's, I can imagine. Um, so this year, I have pretty much said that I... In terms of touring, like, it, it's just not working for me at the moment. So my place in Idols is, again, in a grey space but still very much like I love all of those dudes and yeah. hopefully we'll continue to be able to collaborate but of all the bands that I've ever been in that's the one where it's like they could go places and do things Yeah, and I don't think that's what my life is, is going to be yeah yeah. where'd you pick up sax? was that a I don't, I don't still don't know how to play sax oh. <laughs> I was just uh, like I need to make fucking highly obnoxious Goose grating noises, noises. <laughs> Like a goose with heartburn. That was, yeah, that was Chris's idea, and he was just talking about how he was looking for, you know, needed a vocalist, but mm. no one could play sax, or the people that could weren't really getting the aesthetic that he was going for. Yeah. So I said, I used to play um, clarinet in school, I'm pretty sure I've got the embouchure down, and blew on it, and he pissed himself laughing. And yeah. <laughs> was like, That's, you are now in this band. Yeah, <laughs> Which I guess great. was how, like, I never wanted to do fucking vocals either, but... Yeah, right. There was, it was meant to be Ben Corio, I think. Yeah, Like, right, up right, until right. about two weeks before we recorded Prayer, mm. he was the guy who was going to come and do it. And yeah. then didn't do it, so it was like, oh, I guess now it's me. Shit. Take the torch. Which was fucked, because... No pressure. Yeah, yeah well, like, on the recording, that... The vocals are shared by everyone, so I'm not the vocalist on the recording. It's like right, some yeah, of them yeah. are mine, but we were all blowing out and our voices were fucked. Like, none of us had screamed consistently in, in ages. Idols is a wild ride. No, I can imagine. It's a cyclone band. Yeah, it's a cyclone band. Yeah. <laughs> what What's Seahorse then? Is that kind of a gentle breeze? Yeah, it's like a wispy wind. It's a, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to think well, of what seahorse is. We, I, I think oh, the thing with seahorses need, need more weather metaphors. Yeah, yeah. we are. Uh, we, I just think we just have no rules. Like we were talking about yeah. before, you know, when you have, you know, intent and you sort of know what you want to do. Like I enjoy that a lot of the times yeah. too. When you're in a band, like this is what we're going to do because you've got a set of walls and a set of boundaries, and I think it keeps you on target. Um, mm. I think with seahorse, the whole point is we have no rules. We don't know what yeah. we're doing. Um, you know, even sometimes we'll write songs we'll be like what the, what the fuck did we do that for and we, yeah. never, we never play him again and other times we write stuff and we're super stoked on it um, I think the great for me the great thing about Seahorse is that it doesn't have any yeah like that yeah. sort of consistent internal drive 
but there's a real sense of finding musical intersections of where we might all be at so we were all like find, found common ground in the first album and then we wrote the EP songs and managed to find some consistent sort of middle ground there and then with the new songs that we've been writing to- like, I'm going to say that they're totally different again yeah. but because of whatever influences we possibly have at the time yeah. it, it adds a completely different flavour and it's really nice so even though it's it's not a this is what we're going to do and this is how the progression is going to be yeah. it sort of just turns out like we all come together at a certain musical place and that's, and that's just what it is yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah, all, we all place. Uh, the five yeah. of us all listen to com- like completely different stuff and I think yes yeah, he also has a band where dudes who listen to nothing alike well, none of us even ground, like, like, none, none of us even have our own consistent tastes either. Yeah, like, yeah. mine's fucking constantly fluctuating yeah. yeah yeah I guess Ali put it really nicely last night when he was talking to Josh and I he said that what did he say Seahorse Divorce is the band that people listen to when they don't know who they are yeah, yeah. something oh, like that okay. uh, something about we say the things people are too scared to admit about themselves wow which is pretty fucking deep <laughs> And hopefully, I think he means that musically. I as think, well. yeah, for me, it, it, the way I interpreted that was like our band is definitely like the embodiment of an identity crisis, yeah. and that it's, <laughs> it's, it's in no way fixed. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again: like it's not the band that people should listen to when they're trying to find like external like reference points to identify themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know how yeah. people listen to music, or they it, like take on a certain aesthetic because they don't know who they are. Yeah, we're sure. not the band to mm. listen to if. Don't know who you are. If you're right. wanting to like have a solid identity, yeah. we're not that reference point. Yes, yeah, we're a mow the lawn and have a couple of beers and check us out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. When was the first time that you guys played interstate? Was it with those Stock Edge shows? Yeah. Yes. That Blackwire show was our first interstate show, and I remember. Ever? Yeah. Well, holy shit! And I remember having a real epiphany. Like I felt just so amazing to be back mm. out and doing it. You know. Yeah. Because when it still happens when we play Blackwire. Yeah. Oh, every time we play Blackwire, it's so it, much yeah. fun. Like, I love playing But, uh, yeah, I remember distinctly um, Oslo were playing it. It was the first time I saw them. Yeah, they were just, awesome. I just got this big wave of just good feeling. Nostalgic like, love. Um, yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, man. It was pretty intensely best. euphoric. You had a lot of cognac that tour as well. Oh, I sure oh, did. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. That Tasmanian show will always stay buried in our thoughts. Yeah. That's the most fucked up night I've ever had in my life. Oh, my ridiculous. God. Yeah. Holy hell. We finished... Brisbane Hotel debauchery. Yeah. Jesus. We finished Jesus the tour God. in Hobart, and it was yep. the Brisbane Hotel's birthday bash. Uh-huh. So they got Don't a 24 hour license. <laughs> yeah. They got a 24 hour license. So from 5 p.m. Saturday till 5 p.m. Sunday, the place was pumping like nonstop. Oh my god! So we were staying upstairs and just proceeded to get oh. so very drunk. Yeah. I actually um, went to bed in my. Oh, Cox and I both went to bed. I was in my pajamas and I was like, yeah. "That's it. No more. No more dancing. No more rave parties." Yeah. Went to bed and uh, Ned from Stockades come and like, kicked the door down. I kick, kicked it open and pulled me out of bed so I grabbed a glow stick and uh, we went downstairs and I was in yeah. my pyjamas with glow sticks just yeah. raving on it was really holy weird. shit went to bed at 5am and so appropriately um, Africa by Toto was just yeah. blasting yeah. through the floorboard and somehow That's it's like unreal. one of those places where the staff go harder than any of the punters <laughs> yeah. yeah they were nuts laying under beer taps just swonking it totally unicorn yeah. with just the most nuts shit yeah. <laughs> I think that was like probably the first and only time that all of us have moshed together and oh, ever yeah. will again <laughs> what's the first time I reckon I've moshed since that Frenzel concert I was, yeah. Shit. I was 14 yeah. it was so great nuts. had my propeller hat on yeah man 
turn the unicorn and bring the people together, they man. Do, That's yeah. what they do. Yeah. A band of the people. <laughs> uh, you guys talked before about kind of feeling like Black Lives like a really inclusive space and, you know, having somewhere that you feel you belong. Is that something you feel that is is lacking in the Brisbane music scene? Like, yeah? yeah? I guess, like, yeah. I'm going to put it down to having a really consistent DIY space. Right. Which I think Sydney is something that does really well. But f- something, something to do with DIY spaces make them generally more conscious of needing to be more inclusive. Yeah, um, yeah. And more diverse and more open to independent people coming and just putting on their own shows sure whereas with regular venues maybe it's yeah it's it's, a, yeah, it's probably more of a business thing but I feel like in Brisbane particularly certain venues have a certain scene that they cater to and that certain scene is even mediated by like publicists and booking agents and things like that so it's actually really hard being someone who just wants to put on shows because you like putting on shows have fun, yeah. you know yeah and most of the DIY venues get shut down pretty quick yeah there was yeah. A, a few kicking around but like yeah, there's been some glorious so. periods in Brisbane definitely there has been yeah not for the past three years it's been a I bit think. of a drought the last yeah. few years but yeah, yeah pr- uh, prior to that it was actually really good there's a heap of, heap of spaces but it's just there's none really now at the moment we need yeah, more well, like particularly from the musical tradition that we've come from in Brisbane bands yeah like, yeah, know, yeah sure and quiet steps and, and RV like there was there was a big sort of collective network of people who knew yeah. each other and played with each other and there was always good sort of DIY spaces that facilitated that but there hasn't really been which is fine you know it's, you'd be feeling pretty self-entitled if you thought that you should always be able to access the coolest thing. like there are sweet places in Brisbane at the moment and, and good things going on we're just not so much in the thick of it yeah whereas right. perhaps we had been in the past there you yeah. go. All right. Yeah. All right, guys. So we'll wrap up here. But uh, sure. before we do that, I ask this of all my guests, and now it's your turn. I want to know about the single best and worst experiences you have ever had as a performer. Mm-hmm. Feel free to start on either or. Pause. Oh, oh, Josh. Uh, kick uh, it off. Can I, can I do like a combination best and worst? Oh, at the same time. Yeah. Shit. Okay. How are we going to swing this? This would be interesting. But there's been so many because, you know, I played in the pubs and that, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Best and worst, okay, was probably falling off the stage in Hobart. Um, (laughs) I'll never never forget that. Um, Yeah, that was How high up was the stage? High enough. A little bit high. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think I just had too much to drink and uh, whatnot. And it was a part of the song, like another cigarette or something, where I'm doing really long notes. And I just ran out of oxygen and um, fell off the stage. <laughs> Catapulted over the uh, keyboard stand. Yeah. Holy shit. Yep. Yeah, and actually there was another time um, I was on stage with a covers band and it was actually my sister's wedding and um, another time where I'd had too much to drink and also to smoke and apparently I was like, you know, I had to go lay down. I just couldn't keep playing. Um, so I called my sister over. I'm like, here, take my guitar. And she's like, why? Why? What are you doing? I don't, I'm not taking your guitar. I'm like just take it and then she took it and I just walked off the stage and apparently it was like a uh, it was like I was going downstairs like I just (laughs) and just fell down in front of these group of dudes and uh, greened out at my sister's wedding (laughs) but everyone just loved it like I was like oh mate you like fucking Keith Richards you know get on you and I I just embarrassed the shit out of myself in front of everyone at my sister's wedding oh man so so there you go yeah so what about the best the best oh jeez just a bunch of worst times, isn't it? Yeah, really. Like. Yeah, come on. You, you, you can't end your segment on a low note. Yeah, no, I can't. Uh, best, 
the, that whole tour with Stockades, the first tour was just, mm. the, as I said, it's, it was the best week of my life probably. Yeah. yeah. As far as like a consistent string of days where I was just having the best time and everything was great. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'd just say that whole tour, man. Alrighty, yeah. pass. Yeah, I'd definitely have to say that tour. That was so much fun. I, when I came home, I had, uh, I think I went into deep depression for like five days. Yeah. yeah. And uh, my girlfriend, uh, at the, my girlfriend at the time, we didn't. Not that we broke up, but she, yeah, didn't. Know we had to break up with her to marry her. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I married her. So it's cool. But she, uh, yeah, she didn't know what to do with me for four days because I was just like laying around all sad. But no, it was one of the best times of my life. I think playing that first Blackwire show, we just put the album out. Um, we hadn't been into mm. state yet, and seeing people sing the lyrics and mm. that was nuts. Like, think, and we yeah, were yeah. fucking like deliriously tired as well. Like, yeah, I remember yeah. just I had to drink a lot of whiskey in order to stay awake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that was the, the coolest part. Just that we hadn't left Brisbane yet. This band and seeing people already like singing and having a fun. I mean, you were in the front row, throwing your head around. I was like, "Who's this guy? He's having so much fun. <laughs> it's so good." The worst time was probably uh, I was fifteen. And uh, we had my school band, yep. my school stage band, were playing the Cowboys football match in Mackay. Oh my god! Yeah, and it was really exciting at the time. But there's yeah. fo- there's forty thousand people go there, and I had to do a drum solo at half time. Oh and shit! And I was fifteen, so you know I d- wasn't going to take criticism well. And uh, mm. right through my solo in front of forty thousand people, I uh, dropped a stick, <laughs> and I uh, fucked the whole thing up. <laughs> Ouch! Yep, as a fifteen year old kid. So I just went home and just kept playing Halo and fuck drums. <laughs> <laughs> and look at you now. Yeah, yeah. still playing Halo. <laughs> ben? That's, this is a really difficult one because particularly in the first shows that I was playing, I was dealing with some pretty intense anxiety, sort of depression stuff. Yeah, yeah. And doing a lot of self-medication. So I think every show was, was very much like a love-hate relationship. But I remember specifically... Like, it's not too terrible, but on my 21st birthday, Waiting Room was playing a show at Fat Louise, which is like, uh, how would you describe Fats? It's like basically where bands, a, a lot of our friends' bands have cut their teeth. It's pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much a de facto Blackwire. Right, it's, it is. Except, right, except yeah. it is a business, it's a Korean pool hall. Yeah, yeah so, so it was at Fats and I just got fucking blind drunk, yeah, like yeah. depresso. Who the fuck am I and what's my life? Shit. Yes, yeah. I got sad blind drunk and I was like you know I was in this band playing way like overly complicated riffs and and it was just shocking I think I just sort of slumped off stage and you know tried to forget everything afterwards but the best has probably either been I'm going to say that that Blackwire first Seahorse Blackwire show which was just it felt like a really warm embrace but also maybe when idols went and played shows in Indonesia, oh wow! Um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't in the band, but I was doing some sort of backup vocals and stuff like that, and yeah. it was just like it was amazing. Even though it was in the middle of Ramadan and the shows were small, they were really, really like probably the ultimate definition of sort of inclusive DIY. Like it's just got all of the ethical aspects of music that yeah. that are really that are important to me. So that was yeah. Yeah, the That's definition awesome. of catharsis. That's fucking cool. Uh, the Public Transport Dream sequence uh, EP is out now, and yes. uh, are there any uh, more releases in the pipeline? You got anything more planned for We're about, this year? Probably or? three quarters way through writing out the second. We're going to do another album next. About oh, fuck th- yeah. About three yeah. quarters done. Full length. Yeah, full length. We're <laughs> hoping to, you know, do 10 or 11 tracks mm. or something. We've probably got about eight happening now, so maybe uh, towards the end of the year we might look at recording. Start of next year. And yep. Hope- 
hoping yeah. hoping that the album is bigger con- is as big of a contrast to the EP that the EP was to the first album. Yeah, so yeah. hopefully, like you know, just really different. That's what I feel like it is. But yeah. I don't know. Fucking anyone else listening to it probably thinks it all sounds the same. So yeah, who knows? it's just us once again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. common ground. <laughs> every time we re- every time we release something, we noodly emo. Find common yeah. ground again. It's that noodly emo band. Yeah. Yeah. Do any of you have anything to plug? Yeah, well, I'm actually thinking about starting a bonbon. Is uh, that right? Company. Yes. I'd like to just try a few jokes, if you don't mind. Not at all. This is a first uh, for the podcast, actually. Okay. Some joke sharing. I want to get a collective of 12 together. 12, right. Tw- and do a pack of 12 bonbons. But right. Hit they're, me. They're dry, they're dry dad jokes, but I'll give you a couple. Why was the greengrocer upset with his pay? Why? He was on salary. Oh! I'll give you one more. How come the janitor took the day off? Why? He had time in loo. Ah, ba 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 Hey! Uh, <laughs> I've already uh, heard, those, heard those jokes six times, so, so I would have laughed <laughs> if it was last night. You're going to make a lot of money, Paz. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Uh, Josh, Paz, Benny, thank you guys yeah. so much for this. This has been heaps of fun. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thank you, man. Thanks, man. Cheers. Thank I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in Barbex. This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.